to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting. I'm Jared Ross, and I'm pretty much flying solo again this week. We've been pretty darn busy, and it's uh, it's been a fun week. We've spent five days out with a, an, an agency working with them, and I'll talk a little bit about that today. Actually, some of the experiences we had there are going to drive uh, the conversation today and what we're talking about. And then Friday and Saturday, we ran our our land navigation highlands course, and that was that was a lot of fun. We got to uh, teach some people how to plot on a map, use a compass, use a protractor, and they actually got to walk and find their points. Then we did some a little bit of night navigation, and then on Saturday we took them to a different location, a little bit more rugged terrain, and sent them out to find their points again. And then we concluded with a with, with a rescue. We uh, put somebody out there, and then they worked as a team, went out, tried to locate, found, coordinated, and then uh successfully uh, brought that person back. It's kind of funny because uh, usually when we have someone out there who who's gets rescued, uh, they, they want to be rescued as we do this. But then I sent out my our, my youngest son. And even though he was told, okay, when they get close, they're going to be calling your name, you answer them. In his mind, though, he, he decided that he needed to, to remain as quiet as possible and camouflage himself up as possible. So they they got pretty close, and then, and then they walked away and missed him at, at first until, you know, we said, all right, you you got to reveal yourself. He's probably pretending like he was going to snipe him or something. But, yeah, that's that's my youngest son. He's he's more hardcore, I think, than the rest of my kids. So it's it's been a good week. Uh, before I get going, let's talk about the, the 30, 60, and 90. So coming up within the next month, uh, one of the classes we have is May 15th. That's our shotgun mastery class. That is an excellent class. If you have a shotgun, especially if the shotgun is your you know your choice to be your primary weapon for, for self-defense in your home, you need to go to this class, learn how to run that shotgun. There's a lot more to it than just, you know, pointing and clicking. Or as our wonderful president says, you know, just shoot it up in the air and scare them away. There's a little bit more to it than that. Um, two months out in the 60, we have June 22nd through 26th as our small unit tactics battle drills course. That is an excellent course. Uh, there's no ammunition required for that. Uh, you go out there to learn a lot of leadership skills. We'll, you'll be walking through the woods, running through different drills and, and, and battle drills, and then also at the end, then go force on force. So that's a, an excellent opportunity to get out of your comfort zone, to get out and walk in the woods, and to learn and practice some some leadership skills. And then for the 90, July 16th, we're having our battle rifle class. So there's no mouse guns allowed at this, no no uh, 5.56 or anything like that. This is all 308 and above. And anything that that's 308 and above that is a battle rifle or, or can qualify as a battle rifle, you're certainly invited. Um, I know primarily we're going to be demonstrating on FNFALs, which is my favorite, as well as there's going to be some SCAR heavies, but anything out there, uh, AR-10s, SETMEs, uh, G3s, uh, really anything that, that fires that that battle rifle cartridge 308 and above uh, is welcome for that class. So it's a fun class. It's uh, probably one of my favorites that we do uh, about once a year. So that's what we have coming up. And uh, yeah, now let's let's get into this, uh, get into the podcast. So like I mentioned this week, we did some agency training. And, and one of the things that we did with this group is we did a lot of, did a lot of CQB. So let me, uh, let me talk you through this situation. We had these guys, they were preparing to enter a room. They were stacked on a door. And as soon as they started making entry, they started receiving fire. So we had an op four who was shooting, um, man marking rounds at them. 
And it, as soon as they started getting hit, they were, were dancing around. Some were, were trying to return fire. Some thought they knew what they should do. Others seemed like they were spinning around. And actually, I was, was filming this, and then I got frustrated at them. And uh, lucky for me, I, I forgot I was filming, so I kind of held the camera and then started to uh, get their attention and then tried to... Uh, Try to talk some sense into them. And uh, anyways, um, I've got it recorded, and hopefully John will be able to splice it in. You can hear uh, some of the stuff I was saying now. All right, stop. Stop. Freeze. Chris, you're still down. You guys, is that, is that how you? Hey. Stop. Stop. Index. Index. All right? In the exercise, just hold what you got. Now, is that how you take down a room? By one guy coming in, stopping right there and exchanging gunfire. Another guy standing there dancing around. You going over there and not really even getting to your corner? No. Why are you guys getting shot up? You're getting shot up because you're getting stuck right there in that fatal funnel where this guy three rooms deep has a clear line of fire. You guys get in that room. You guys get to your corners. You're not going to get shot. And then you, the number, whoever's right below me, I don't know if you're one or two, man. Yeah, you've got that guy. And as you're advancing, you've got a better grip on him. You can destroy him and shut him down. But with you guys dancing around right here and not getting to your corners, it's allowing all of you guys to get shot up. Why do you need to go to your corner? Because you got that threat right there. Yeah, so he's shooting at you too while you're, you're playing over here. So, Chris is still down. He's not gonna engage you guys. Get back here, reset it, take this room down proper. All right, so if you heard that, I, I was a little irritated and, and a little frustrated, but um, my frustration came, came because they had been given proper training, proper training, and they, at that point, they were able to perform a little bit better than they did. But their reaction is not uncommon. Their reaction actually is quite normal. And that's one of the reasons why we do the training that we do. Um, that's why from the very beginning of our classes, we're preparing you for the uh, possibility or that eventuality when you're going to be faced with uh, a stressful situation and potentially then you'll be faced with a, a lethal encounter. So let me use another example. So that, that that example there, that was just them going in and then you know coming under fire and then kind of uh, you know dancing around and forgetting what they're doing. But another example is when, um, which you know happened this past week, is when people who when they first enter a room and they're looking for a, a threat target or a, a non-threat target, generally what are they looking for? They're looking at for a weapon. They're looking for a gun. They're looking for hands in that target. I've written a couple articles about this. If you go into uh, into the article section in the briefing room on the website, yeah, I've written some things specifically about this. And what at first happened, which is very normal, is when people go into that room and now all of a sudden they, they identify there's a human form, there's a paper target, and the paper target has a weapon. Now they've made the mental connection that that is a threat. So then immediately they start shooting. And what happens, which is very normal, all their rounds, as I, I showed the students, um, all their rounds were impacting on the gun itself. So they weren't shooting to eliminate the threat 
what they did was their eyes saw the weapon and instead of using their sights they pointed their weapons at that weapon the thing that threatened them and then that's where all, all the rounds impacted which is you know contrary to, to what they need to do so I'm going to talk a little bit today about those steps in training and, and preparing someone to when you're in that stressful situation, when you are faced with, with that threat, um, then you'll be able to perform through and be able to protect yourself or more importantly, protect others that you might be with. So we'll start at the very beginning of the most basic classes or level one classes. Both our rifle and our pistol level one classes, they're all designed to teach marksmanship. They're all designed to help prepare you and, and to get the you, the student, or you, know, you that, that individual, to get hits on pieces of paper where you want them to. Um, so we teach those core principles, those, those basics of, of marksmanship. So what we're doing at those basic classes is we're preparing you or we're giving you the, those principles to be able to do more and to do more advanced shooting or or different situations. A great example is our stance. We don't want you to, to square up with that stance. Uh, we want you to be bladed out. We want you to have your knees bent. We want you uh, slightly leaning forward with that aggressive stance, very similar to a fighting stance. Or shoot, when I played football in, in junior high and in high school, very similar to you know the stance I had as a defensive end. So I'm very aggressive, forward lean, and you know I'm, I was looking for wherever that that ball went so I could go tackle that person or put in a good block. Um, it's that same kind of stance, a fighter stance. And what this is doing is in those basic classes, you're not moving. We're not having anyone move, but it's preparing you so you know what right is. So your body's already accustomed to it. So then when you go to more advanced classes, you're already prepared to take that step, to move forward quickly or to move quickly laterally or move quickly diagonally, you know, because a fight, a gunfight, uh, from my experience, is a pretty dynamic thing. There was only one occasion that I can recall that I really stood still. Um, at, at any other time that I've been engaged, I was either behind cover or I was seeking for cover. And the one time that I stood still, I was just ticked off. I couldn't believe the audacity of the person who was shooting at us. So I stood there being, you know, how dare you? with this, you know, being, feel, feeling very offended while I was returning fire. And then when I decided I needed to reload, that's when I got, oh yeah, maybe I should run to a point of cover. So other than that one time when I was dumb, um, I'm always moving. So a real fight, you're going to be moving. You want to get to a better angle, better position, a better point of cover, a better point of concealment. Um, so it is a dynamic thing. And that's what we're preparing you for at the very beginning of those classes, say with that stance. Then another thing, uh, say with a pistol. Um, we, After you draw, we work a lot of our drills from what we call position three. So you're holding the pistol at position three, which is underneath your chin at chest level, pointing towards, you know, towards that threat. Uh, also with rifles, we start with a low ready. So the buttstock is already up in your shoulder, but the weapon is down to like 45 degrees or a little bit lower, or the high ready where now the, the rifle's been pushed out, then tucked in underneath your elbow and arm against your body with the, with the muzzle sticking pretty high up, almost in front of your face. So we have these three different ready positions that we start with at these level one classes and teach you how to employ the pistol from these ready positions. And again, this is all in preparation so that when uh, you take more advanced classes, when you're shooting while moving, or when you're in a confined space in a vehicle, or, or inside a built-up area, a home, or whatever, 
um, you're already accustomed to the proper way to handle these firearms when you're dealing with that environment. And we're doing it this way so that you will, you will be better able to function and, and think and maneuver and acquire targets when you're in these environments instead of now that you're in this environment, now it's time to teach you a different technique or, or, or something else. So again, our whole point from the very beginning is to prepare you to be better able to physically handle those firearms and employ them correctly so that you're safe, but then also if the need be, you can protect yourself or, or protect loved ones. And as we worked with this, this agency, we, we did the exact same thing. We helped them, we reviewed with them a lot of these steps on the range, and then we took them in, into the house. So it's important to do that range time. It's important to get those those that foundation of those basic classes in under your belt so that when it's time to do more advanced things again that's those are things those are techniques those ways to employ the firearms and the change magazines and all that um, firearms handling it's already second nature that's not going to add to the stress or the problems that you're going to face when you're inside of a house or when you're dealing with a lethal encounter in the real world what this will allow you to do then is allow you to be more situationally aware. Now, a couple of weeks ago, again, I was in here uh, by myself and did a solo podcast. And I talked a lot about situational awareness. I talked about mindset. I talked about mental preparation, shared some experiences that I had. And my personal journey to you know, finding that warrior mindset or that combat mindset or that survival mindset, whatever you want to call it. And some of those key principles I learned that I internalized in myself in this approach to firearms training goes hand in hand you know with that so now that a person has a basic understanding and, and way to to handle and and use those firearms now they're more free to be situationally aware um, in today's environment you know being situationally aware the ability to see and observe and interpret everything that is around us or everything within that that situation that is a critical skill that you need to know you need to, to master so that you can deal with, so that you can survive, so that you can uh, be successful in those stressful situations. One thing we like to put out a lot in classes is we're trying to teach you how to play chess. Let the other guys play checkers, but we want you to play chess. And that way you're able to outthink and outperform uh, those potential threats, whatever those threats may be or may not be. And that is really the driving point behind the force-on-force type training or um, like the one class that we teach that's open enrollment, the dynamics of a gunfight class, it's now that you know how to handle those firearms to a degree, there's always more to learn. There's always room for improvement. I'm not trying to say that. Um, but now that you are proficient up to a point, now it's time to, to put yourself in those other situations in training so that you can learn how to be situationally aware. When those individuals, when they go into the houses and they identify that threat target and they see that gun and then they put all the rounds in the gun, they were able to function up to the point where they could ID the threat, but they weren't able to think or really go beyond that. Um, same things with those guys from that clip that, that you heard before um, with me uh, describing what was going on and me getting after them. Um, they could only think and perform so far, and then as soon as they were met with the stress, as soon as they had the um, the op four individual who was waiting for them and then started uh, putting rounds on them, th then they just couldn't think, they couldn't function anymore, and they just defaulted to you know spinning around in circles or, or just stopping all forward progress. 
And so in that kind of training, through getting that dose of stress, or, or as the phrase is, that stress inoculation, um, then they're going to learn from that, reset, and do it again, and then hopefully this time be able to think a little bit more, be able to perform a little bit um, better in that situation. So awareness is having knowledge of your surroundings and is a state of consciousness. Situational awareness refers to the degree of accuracy by which one's perception of the current environment mirrors reality. Being observant of your environment and being able to recall details of what you see are skills that will allow you to better interpret your area of operations, um, to better interpret what's going on around you and, and know, you know, know the environment that you're in. That is one of the end states or one of the goals through this kind of training is to be able to perform, keep that situational awareness, see where you need to go and, and, and what you need to do. One of the mistakes that a lot of people make when they're in those situations, and we'll, we'll talk about getting in, into a room, if you need to get into a room um, quickly with a potential threat in there, is that they'll approach the door and then they'll go to make entry. And instead of using their senses as they're designed, instead of using their eyes to, in a systematic way, look and clear that room, instead of looking up, they'll look down almost like at a 45-degree angle and be looking down at the floor. Virtually every person that I have taught and trained, including myself, when I first started doing this years and years ago, that's what I naturally did. And what an, what an individual is doing is as they're looking down at the ground, what they're trying to do is they're trying to use their peripheral vision to observe and see everything in that room. And you just simply can't do that. So without training, without thinking it through or being taught better techniques or ways to approach and ways to observe and look in that room, um, then that's what you're going to be stuck with. A person looking at the ground and then you're going to miss all the detail. You're going to miss those potential threats in there. You're going to be overwhelmed with your senses, that sensory overload, and then you're going to lose. And that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to lose, especially if something is, you know, very important that's in that room that you need to recover or that you need to save. And as most of you listeners know, I mean, it's very personal to us having been the victim of a home invasion and having my wife needing her, you know, to defend the house when I wasn't there with a shotgun. Uh, so it, this, these things are, are real. So what do you need to do to maintain situational awareness? What are we trying to teach these guys this past week? And they picked it up very well. And what do we teach in, in our other classes that we do, these similar classes that we do open enrollment, where I'm teaching uh, how to do individual clears or how to clear room um, with two people, i.e. like a husband and wife, again, dealing with a home invasion. Instead of looking down 45 degrees where you're and so with your peripheral vision trying to see everything in the room but in reality not seeing anything you need to know how your brain is going to interpret those images and you need to know how your eyes are going to work and how they function so if you look straight ahead as you enter that room you'll be able to see everything in front of you almost like like a cone so you can see that that's what your eyes are designed to see and that's what your brain can interpret and as soon as you see that for an instance then you can adjust to uh, either to the right or the left, depending on the layout of the room. And you can look at that next cone, and then you adjust again and look at that next cone, and then you look at that next cone, and the next, and the next, and the next, until very quickly and very rapidly with your eyes and moving your head, you're seeing and you're assessing that entire room in a systematic way, in a way that your brain can 
interpret that information so that you can immediately identify there's a threat. There's not a threat. And if there is a threat, then you'll have skills and then you'll have uh, procedures that you can do in order to address that threat. And by knowing how your brain works and knowing how your eyes function and what they can see, then if you use those together, then you can very quickly work with your body and you can see everything in that room in detail. So if I'm clearing a room, I'll see as much as I can from outside the, the door frame, out, outside that threshold. But as soon as I make the decision I need to get in and I'm crossing through that threshold, most rooms, uh, you know, not including junk or clutter that might be covering parts of the room, in most rooms, it's only taking me a, a steady glance, like less than a second, and I've just scanned and I've seen everything in that room. It takes training to, you know, to learn how to use your eyes as they're designed and, and and let your brain interpret that. But at least then I can see and I can process. So if there are potential threats in there, I can address them and engage them. Again, contrast then to, to these individuals who uh, are, are, you know, including myself when I first learned how to do this. Instead, when I'm attempting to see everything at once, which my eyes can't see, and if my eyes could see, my brain can't interpret, then I'm missing everything. Instead of working with my eyes and working with the way that that you know our brains are designed to function so then by knowing how to do that you're increasing your situational awareness and in those kind of situations that's it's a matter of life and death again it's your ability then to play chess as opposed to someone else playing checkers so now that i can enter a room and i can look and see everything now what am i doing in that room again this comes down to the brain, how the brain works, how the brain functions, and and making a plan beforehand. So if I'm going to enter a room, I already know where I'm going to go to that room. I'm not just going to walk in and stop, especially I don't want to walk in and stop in, at that doorway, because if there are threats in that room, that's where all the attention already is at, looking right at that doorway. So I'm not helping myself by helping those threats, allowing myself to just walk right into their sights, potentially. So I need to know where I'm going to go. And I need to go to either uh, one corner of the room or I need to go to another corner of the room. So as I'm entering, I've already determined, hey, this is where I'm going to go. And to the best of my ability, that's where I'm going to go into that specific area or that specific corner. And then as I'm moving, my feet are going to be pointed that direction. My feet are always going to be going the direction of travel which then frees my eyes and my head and then from the waist up to turn and move as I'm looking and as I'm scanning to see where those potential threats might be so that I can deal with them. And again, that's why at the flat range, at the level two classes, that's why we teach walking while, while shooting, shooting while walking. That, that's why we do that both you know, forward and diagonally and laterally, and we do a lot of different drills in addressing that to get that person used and comfortable of being able to see and acquire those targets and then go ahead and, and engage them. So then now that I'm in that room, it's not a hard thing. I'm not doing something new. I'm simply walking from one point to another with a specific direction of travel, freeing my body my from the waist up to turn and move and then now since I've walked plenty of times towards that direction of travel out on the flat range it's an easy thing and it's freeing my mind up then to be able to see and assess and then make the the decisions that they need to while I'm moving towards that point 
So the, now the next thing that you're going to be faced as we as we train and as as we saw that as you know I experienced put guys through this this past week is now that active uh, opposition force that op four that individual who then is representing that threat or that bad guy. So now they're walking in a room knowing that oh there's not just a piece of paper but now I have the potential that uh, a man marking around is going to be coming my way and it's it's going to sting a little bit. So now that they might know and you might know intellectually, okay, this is what needs to happen, you'll still need to experience that. So as they walk in and they're receiving those rounds, what they need to do then and what we accomplish in this training is is to, to come under fire. So then people, they have to work through knowing that those rounds are coming and then dealing with that stress. And I tell you, the first time it happens, the second time it happens for a lot of people, man, just like, you know, you heard me earlier uh, people start doing silly things. They default to, uh, to to some silly stuff. But you need that experience. And the more opportunities you get to do some force-on-force training, whether it's with uh, FX rounds, sim rounds, even airsoft, which is uh, some of the stuff that we're doing is, is with the, the airsoft, um, it's invaluable experience. You're going to learn a little bit about yourself. You're going to feel that adrenaline dump um, unlike you've ever felt it before. But then that allows you to feel that adrenaline dump and then learn how to work through it. Uh, that fight or flight or freeze response, it, it's going to affect you differently than it affects anybody else. Um, and it's important for you then to experience that, know how your body's going to react physiologically. So then you'll be better prepared to deal with that wave of epinephrine as it, as it runs through your body, as it courses through your body while you're, you're in that high-stress environment. And then as you experience that and experience this over and over, um, as as we put these guys through this past week, you will be able to deal with the effects of that adrenaline and you'll still be able to function and think. You'll still be able to to drive through to your point. You still will be able to utilize your sights and get accurate hits. And really, that's everything that, that, that we do. That's what it's all about. From the very first time you walk into one of our ranges at a day one, a level one, marksmanship class up into the most advanced classes that we do is preparing you for that potential encounter so that when you are feeling that adrenaline when rounds or shots potentially are coming your way you will be able to still function you'll still be able to uh, do what you need to do and perform and not just you know save your life but more importantly save the lives of of others yeah, this past week has been phenomenal. It's been a great week seeing the the growth of, of the group that we were working with and to see them spend time in the flat range and then progress up through to uh, spending a couple days in the house. Phenomenal. I cannot wait till we find more venues and, uh, and other locations so that we can share this kind of experience and this kind of training to, uh, you know, to, to anyone and everyone really look forward to it. In addition to preparing you through these tactics, these techniques, and, and these principles to be able to survive a, a fight um, and, and helping you to do all the right things, helping you to use your senses as they're designed and to use your brain to process the information as it's designed and to send out the signals to, to do the right thing. Um, also, we're helping you to defeat those potential threats um, 
through those techniques, through those tactics. So uh, if you're familiar, some of you are, I know listening, some of you aren't, are you're familiar with the, with the OODA loop. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to break that mental process of those threats. One of the reasons why we move in a room and we prepare you to move in a room is so when that threat is focused on that doorway or focused on a specific location through your movement, you're severing that connection as they're observing you, orienting themselves, deciding, and sending those, and sending those signals to act in order to you know pull the trigger at you or whatever the case may be. So we're helping you to break that that mental connection that those individuals have. That way, again, you'll be playing chess and and, and they're playing checkers. I just happened to. Uh, I brought one of my sons in here today, and he's uh, he's been to a lot of classes, but also one of the things I've used him and uh, some of his brothers is over the years they've been employed as as op four sometimes, and uh, I just brought him in here and wanted to ask him some of the observations that he's had. All right, John, he can't talk. I paused, and I said, hey, what are some of the stuff you've seen? And he just sat there and looked at me, deers and deer in headlights. So he currently is experiencing that that fight or flight or, or freeze response, and, he, and he's chosen to freeze while he's sitting. Oh, now he's giggling a little bit, but he's like, uh, I don't know what to do. I know one of the the things that I've seen, um, as I've observed and had you guys operate as as role players, have you guys operate as as op four, is. Individuals coming under fire from you or from your brother, and then immediately they they freeze. They might get behind cover, and then they start telling other people to do stuff. They're unwilling or can't quite get themselves to do something themselves, whether to shoot back, whether to advance on you. But they're all about having somebody else do that and 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 yell commands. And and that's a common thing, too. Feeling that stress and wanting to see cover, so you see cover, and uh, you've got all kinds of great ideas. And you're yelling those ideas out to other people, and you want them to be the ones that go ahead and execute and go ahead and do those things, but uh, but they're unwilling to do themselves. Another aspect of this training that's really beneficial is, you know, what have we been talking? We're talking about this progression, right, of learning how to shoot. After you learn how to shoot, start putting yourselves then in in these training situations where, where now you're you're getting movement. And after you get movement and you learn how to shoot while you're moving, and then you want different problems, different problems to solve, different problems to, you know, to, to, to think about. So now we're moving on to force on force. So then as you're learning how to enter a room, well, you need to enter a room and you need to have a plan before you get in the room, right? So you need to, I want to go to that corner. So you're moving to that corner. Then you put in targets. So now you're moving to the corner and I'm assessing is it a threat or it's not a threat target. So I'm going to shoot at that target if it is a threat target. And then... That progresses to okay. Where are you hitting that target? Is everything hitting the gun? In which case, you haven't eliminated that threat. So then now you need to to shoot at that that target in a way that you need to eliminate it. And then you throw in the live role players. So now you're you're seeing and you're reacting off of them, and they're reacting off of you. And at first, it's just very simple. With you have um, either they're a threat, they've got a gun, they're pointing it at you, or, or not. And then after you have dealt with that stress and you've started to uh, be successful, then it's the time to actually get into scenarios and scenario-based things. So it's not cut and dry. And one of the greatest scenarios that I've ever witnessed, that I've ever been a part of, um, it was 
a day of doing nothing but, but concealed carry. So working concealed carry, working concealed carry in different situations, in different environments. And in this particular one, it was an ATM. Uh, so the student went up to the ATM and they're getting ready to, to take out some money. And then a couple of individuals came up and started talking to them. And the individuals, they looked pretty rough. And they started using some rough language. But all they were doing is like, and saying, hey, we want to go to this concert. We want to go to the show. We don't have enough money. Do you have any money that you could give us? They weren't necessarily threatening them. They were just asking and saying, hey, we just don't have enough. It would be great if, if you could give us 10 bucks, whatever, or enough that we needed to get into the show. But because they looked uh, rough and because they were, were talking a little rough, um, the individual at the ATM was definitely getting uh, getting concerned. All kinds of um, things that you could do, all kinds of options. You could make distance, get away. You could tell them, hey, get lost. Hey, if you guys don't stop harassing, I'm going to call the cops. Um, all kinds of things that, that you could do because these two individuals, even though they're talking rough, they weren't making any threatening um, gestures. They weren't showing any body language that would justify you know, being a threat, just talking and just asking. But you could see the student who was there at the ATM realizing, you know, in his, in his mind, I'm the good guy. These guys are clearly the bad guys. I'm at this class, so uh, I know that, you know, I'm going to be using my, my pistol, which had been set up to shoot man-marking rounds. And uh, what did he do? He finally pulled out his pistol pointed it at them and said, I've got this gun, stand back. You know, you, you, you guys need to leave me alone. And as soon as he did that, then one of the uh, the individuals pulled out his phone, 911. This guy just pulled a gun at me. This is my location. Uh, we need some help. We feel threatened. And uh, the look in the student's eyes of righteous indignation as he decided that because these people were talking to him, he needed to pull out his gun and point it at him. And then the realization that, oh my, no, I just made the wrong decision. I just pulled a gun. Now I'm the bad guy. You know, scenarios in that kind of training, you're putting you in those situations, forcing you to think in that moment, that's, that kind of training is invaluable. Then after you do that, then you talk about it. What did we do right? What did we do wrong? What could have been better? What could have been worse? And having that conversation as that individual is then learning that kind of training, that kind of you know, mental preparation that kind of mental exercise when you're feeling stressed, when, you're feel, when your heart rate's up, that is invaluable and will aid you exponentially when you're facing those potential threats. So those are some of my thoughts and some of my, uh, you know, I guess feelings about some of the training we just did this past week and training that we've done in the past and the training that I, you know, I will continue to do into the future to help you Get prepared and help your, your mental, your emotional, and your physical preparation to deal with any potential threats as they might uh, come down your way. Oh, one last thing and um, you know that I'm thinking of now, and that's when we're at the flat range and when we're doing the, uh, the basic stuff, the uh, level one and level two, the, the targets that we're using. You know, with those targets, with the, the silhouettes, and then we have the shapes, that are the triangle in the head, and then, then you have a, a shape center mass and a shape of the pelvic girdle. I know that they're not anatomically correct. They're not exactly where, where they should be. Um, but those targets that we use, being a good jack-of-all-trades, they're there for a reason. 
Because with that training, when we're calling threat or when we have identified those paper targets as a threat, we want you to mentally make that decision and, and that, that acknowledgement, okay, that's a threat. And then we want you to purposely aim and purposely shoot at, at those specific locations. So it's just not something that you're just defaulting to not thinking and just pulling the trigger. But we want to make that a conscious act. We're helping to train you to make that a conscious act so that you will aim at where you need to aim and that you will put hits where you need to hit. And that way, again, all this is driven so that you're successful, so that you can save lives, so that uh, you'll be able to go home to your family. So I think that's about it. Uh, this week, it's kind of a short podcast, but there's certainly a lot of information in there. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your time. And, uh, you know, this podcast is getting to be a lot bigger than I ever thought it would be. We were teaching a class, a, a seminar, a couple weeks ago, and I only recognized two people in the seminar. Uh, the rest of the people were new to me. And Chris was in the back. And uh, as I was talking, Chris made some smart aleck remark. And then I, I responded like, yeah, well, at least, you know, I've been to Philmont. And the entire room lit up and started laughing. Uh, so as a testament to me, wow, people actually are listening. I, I see the numbers. I know people are. But that's just the number. Um, and those numbers keep continuing to grow. But again, I, I can't quantify. I can't conceptualize those numbers. But to be in a room full of people and have everyone laugh at a what used to be an inside joke, that's, that's pretty cool. Again, I thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk to you soon again next time. Stay safe. And if I'm raising my voice, it's not because I'm pissed. It's because you guys can't hear me with this mask on. Ready? Let's do it again. <laughs>